When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 2, Wraith Squadron. What? The book, Star Wars Rogue Planet by Greg Bear. Chapters 2 through 4. The year was 2000. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Hey everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast, where we, I'm Jeff, that's John, we like to discuss Star Wars novels. Hmm. We sure do. Do we like it? And other types. Or do we just do it? And other type novels as well. We also like to do that from time to time. Like, I gotta tell you, John, I actually became very tempted the other day to purchase a non-Star Wars Expanded Universe novel to set aside for future reference. My God. Until I realized that copies of it ran $160. Woo! You want to you venture a guess? I... I'm going to give you a hint. You would have been very happy with me. <laughs> uh, is, is it a Smallville novel? No. Okay. Nope. It's the, uh, the series of Expanded Universe sequels to Jason X... What? Yeah, there's four of them. I what? And I was trying to find the fourth one in particular, in which he invades and starts slaughtering the students at an all-girls repertory academy on the moon. That is. That's how did that get greenlit by anyone? <laughs> Who was like, ah, yes, classic blockbuster film. We must capitalize on. <laughs> Jason X. Well, you gotta, you gotta assume that those deals were made before anyone saw any box office receipts. Now, there's four of them, I'm not sure. How the first one exists, I guarantee you, is because they, they commissioned the sure. writing of it before anything. But when you're like, oh, I've, I've got, you know, a movie coming out, and I want a tie-in for some reason, you're like, great, I'll get somebody to write a fucking Jason in Space novel. That shouldn't be hard. Yeah. Okay, sure. But for that to happen... Two more times. Three. <laughs> Two more times, and then a fourth time. It was the fourth book that That's I was trying to buy. Wow. God, <laughs> fuck. Who? How? The only problem is they've never had PDF releases or ebooks of any kind, and the original hard copies are extremely expensive and very hard to locate. I could find a terrible used copy for around 90. Oof. So anyway, if you have these these novels, or they're, they're expanded novels, of Jason X stuff, sell them. You get should some look money. into it because you've got money coming your way. You've <laughs> I know it. what I have. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm instead. I'm here, John, to give you some sad news. Uh huh. Did you know that you know we, we were joking recently that the last two books we read, we were making fun of the author a lot, and then we found out they were dead. Yeah. And in the first episode, we were making fun of the author a lot, and then hoping he wasn't dead. Yeah. No, he I died know. less than a year ago. Yeah, I know. I know that we are like, I don't know the. The vultures buzzing around the corpses of EU novels. Yeah. No, it's constantly like, we aren't meaning to. We just sort of are like, I would say we are the harbingers of death, but they're already dead. We just happen to be like, we can smell it. We can smell it on the book. And we're like, give it to me. I like to think that we're the people who are, we're we're not the harbingers of death. We're the psychopomps in that we are escorting their still nascent souls to the afterlife by making fun of their books they wrote while they were so alive. Yeah, all of these authors have been sitting around Uh as ghosts waiting for someone to read their book and review it in a shitty podcast. Uh And then finally they can move on. They can proceed. Well, assuming that their their, uh, whole soul weighs less than a feather or whatever. So then they can move on. Yeah, that's what we do. We have a we have a whole system. We had a feather. Yeah, we in got here. a whole bunch of psycho pomp and circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, just just put that out there. R.I.P. Greg Bear. Any future jokes? He died in like literally less than a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> how, is it, how do we keep doing this? It's rough, but I mean, the life of a circus bear is very short, so yeah. you knew it had to happen. Yeah, Greg the Bear did not have a, a long life as a Fox TV show. 
and, or as a, a, a star. Well, actually, he lived quite long. He, d- d- he was doing well for himself. Um, and, you know, he did die the way he wanted to. He was cut apart by flying chainsaws. Yeah. Uh, when he jumped into a big room full of flying chainsaws. Which, you know, when you see, you might think, I should probably not go in there. Yeah. But not Greg Bear. No, he spent his whole life training for that moment. And then failed. No, he Miserably, did. and got cut <laughs> apart. He died a failure as he lived. I don't know what That's right. I speak ill of the dead. Oh, jeez, that is... <laughs> Man, you're never going to make it in, uh, in Orson Scott Card's famous Xenoverse universe. <laughs> You're going to be like the, the, the shit talker of the dead. Fuck yeah. I'll be like, these guys suck. Ender's never going to be a big friend, fan of yours. <laughs> That's fine. I'm never going to be a big fan of Ender. That's, you know what? You shouldn't. No. Because kid's like the sharpened spear of a terrible fascist conspiracy system. True. Yeah. Still pretty good books. Like yeah. some of them. Uh, I read the first one and I was like, all right. <laughs> the, the first one is so wildly different from the others. It's like reading The Hobbit and then being like, I know what Lord of the Rings is. <laughs> <That's just laughs> so, yeah, I got it. <laughs> up to speed. <laughs> I think I've read four of them. I have not read any of the ones that were written much later, but I've read up through Xenocide. Great. Uh, anyway, to get to, to the actual point, here we are discussing Rogue Planet by Greg Bear, R.I.P. Greg Bear, and uh, we are going to be... Uh, Covering chapters two through four this week, because yeah. as we mentioned, wildly variant chapter lengths in this thing. Oh yeah, chapter one was thirty-two pages, and then chapter two is like fifteen, and then three and four are like five pages total. <laughs> yes, it's it's a weird decision. Uh, I I don't know who would do that, but God, I hope they died. No, hold on, <laughs> hold on, wait. Oop. <laughs> uh, See, here's the thing. I can't feel shame. I'm biologically incapable of feeling bad about things I've said, so it doesn't bother me. I have the exact opposite of Catholic guilt. Lutheran pride. <laughs> well, it is Lutheran Pride Month. Everyone knows. July. Everyone knows. July you get rid of them rainbows and then you bring out the hot dish. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but hot dish and lists li- nailed to doors. That's what we a, do. For a whole month. A whole bunch of Lutherans parading around. <laughs> Unless you don't want them to, in which case they're very sorry. <laughs> I'm so, oh, oh, I'm just oh. on by you. <laughs> You're just going to pass through here real quick. <laughs> Dude, you want some tater tots covered in cream of mushroom? <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Gotta eat them anyway. It'd be I'm rude a, if you didn't. In my mind, I associate all Lutherans with Canadians. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, it's a... It's about the same amount of reading if you're following along at home, but it's just three chapters now. And it opens with the longest chapter in which we set up what is clearly some, like, Harvard Law School type dudes that are fucking, uh, haven't, <laughs> ha- ha- like, definitely these two are, these two are boning on, on the front, back, and side. Uh, and, and these two are, uh, Wraith Sinar mm-hmm. and Wilhuff Tarkin. Yeah, the, the classic Tarkin, but here, you know, like, 30? I don't know, 30-something. Yeah, he's in his 30s. So? So he's got... Because this is set before... About 10 years before Revenge of the Sith, which itself is set about 25 years before New Hope. So he's going to be up into his mid-50s and 60s before uh, we you actually get to see him in person dying on the Death Star. Yeah. So this is this is a young, sexy, hatchet-faced He's Tarkin. young, and he's hungry. Mm-hmm. Just Google young Peter Cushing and go from there. <laughs> then you'll be young and hungry. <laughs> or at least young would consider you hungry. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. If I ever met Carl Jung, he would consider me hungry. <laughs> Largely because you're always hungry and you were born hungry. <laughs> I was born hungry. And he's like, I get it. <laughs> I wish I knew enough about Jungian philosophy to make any kind of joke. Something about the shadow? I don't know. Some, I don't know. You've got the hungry archetype. <laughs> anyway, if the name Sinar sounds familiar to you as well, it's either because you've read this book before or because you're familiar with Sinar Fleet Systems. The company that makes TIE Fighters. Indeed. They make other stuff, too, but they are primarily known for making the TIE series of, of uh, fire, fighters and bombers and what have you. Uh, so that's probably where you get that name is putting a little little mark in your the back of your head right now. But they are not making TIE Fighters yet. Uh, they because kind of are. I mean, they're making the things that will eventually become TIE Fighters. Yeah. Yeah. The Because mo- it's funny because we already established in the... Uh, the Clone or the uh, prequel movies that there are several ships that are leading up to the TIE fighter design, including something I think was called the H wing, which is only in the third movie. And it looks like 
it, it's got wings that pop open into kind of the tie model. They, yeah. they start folded forward and then they kind of pop open. Uh, so people have always been like, oh, look, that's the proto-TIE fighter. But here we're seeing a guy it, between the first two movies building what are very clearly TIE fighters, at least in inspiration, where instead of having solar panels for wings, they have giant cooling vanes that are exactly where TIE fighter wings would go. And their cockpits, why they're hexagonally, uh, or sorry, d- octagonally oriented balls of some description. There's some some balls of some description. Mm-hmm. Speaking of describing balls, these two just get nasty. Speaking of describing balls, I'm here for Manscaped. <laughs> Use my promo code. <laughs> uh, also, yeah. promo code is a euphemism. <laughs> hey there, you want to use my promo code? Ew, gross, leave. <laughs> like no, it's, it's not what you think. No, even if it was. <laughs> There's no good outcome. There's nothing you could say that would make me want to use your promo code. <laughs> 20% off. <laughs> your first order of ball razors. <laughs> yep. So, uh, anyway, uh, they're both, it, the, the uh, book wants to set up that these two are very similar, at least at the moment. They are both around the same age. Uh, they're both v- from very wealthy families, although Sinar is from an engineering and, and co- company-making family, while Tarkin is from a military family. Yeah. Uh, they're both, like, uh, just upper-crust types who are early successes and also uh, very favored by the Senate, in that they are both wearing robes that have been given to them specially uh, because of like outstanding favors they had performed from the Senate. Yeah, it's like, oh, you did a good job. Here's a bathrobe. And then they're like, I'm going to wear that around. Yeah, they're in like the boys' brigade. They get to wear these fancy, fr- uh, very easy to open in the front robes. Very easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, now the two of them, uh, like you said, very similar sort of aristocratic demeanor, very serious and thin and walking around sternly. And the <laughs> Tarkin is there to be like, ooh, I've got a, a secret plan. I've got special ideas that I want to bring you in on. A, a penis scheme, if you will. <laughs> I love that Tarkin is it, canonically at least bisexual, thanks to a certain point of view and a few other books. Yeah. So we can we can do all this and just be like, yeah, it's probably right. Probably. <laughs> I mean... I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily judge him for wanting to bang a dude that looks exactly like him, but you know, it, it is a little weird. Hey, hey you know, he's got a type, and his type is himself. It's fine. Sometimes we know it isn't. It's young, dumb farm boys. Yeah, he wants big himbos and yeah. strong ladies. Yeah, that's what he's into. That's all he likes. So, uh, so anyway, the two of them are walking along through the Sinar factory as it currently exists. I don't believe that Sinar fleet systems exist yet. I'm not sure. This might be a company that predates that. We don't know. But we're walking through Sinar's factory, uh, and he is discussing the lamentable state of the current Republic and and the cleanup operations that have occurred in the wake of Phantom Menace, in which the Trade Federation has been uh, forced to like fuck off from Naboo. Intentionally disarm as well. They're gonna be they're going all of all the stuff the armaments they've been building up, all of their like army is gonna be folded into the command of the of the uh, Republic. Yeah. And this is not great for old Wraith Sinar, because his whole deal has been, oh, I've been selling ships to whoever the fuck wants it. Now, of course, all my ships come with weapons. That's just a little special extra treat I give out. So he has been just, you know, war profiteering, basically. Mm-hmm. And is like, oh, man, don't end the war. Yeah. My profiteering. Haven't you ever heard for, for angry rule of acquisition 235, war is profitable? <laughs> war is good for business good also for business. peace is good for peace business is also good for business i forgot you you've got it right there but i think 235 is correct <laughs> probably not probably not yeah in any event yeah war and peace are both good for business but not the book it's bad for business no um so he's a little grumpy about that he had been talking about how it's not technically his his job to be selling to the trade federation but he had been it's just that he Equips his we- his uh, ships with defensive armaments that aren't illegal by any means. No, as long as he doesn't put too strong of weapons on them, he can sell them to whoever. As long and he's been carefully balancing his sales out to various factions, where he he's like, I can sell to the Trade Federation as long as I don't also sell to this pirate outfit with weapons that are this strong. Yeah, it's it's very much a as long as I keep 
my good stuff in reserve mm-hmm. for the Senate, I can sell to whoever I want because they're still getting the top of the line, but I can make profit off of everyone else. Yes. And he says, well, unfortunately, the Senate is a real pain in the ass to work with. Uh, number one, they don't want anything interesting. And I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a builder and an inventor. I want to make cool new ships, and they never want anything new. Second, yeah, as there's one thing I know about Sinar and all of the ships that I associate with him. It is inventiveness and not doing the same thing over and over again. Hey, sometimes he bends the wings a little bit. <laughs> sometimes those wings slope a little forward. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they might slope a little to the side. You know, long after this guy I assume is dead, they start adding a third wing. <laughs> Sometimes we get biblically accurate TIE fighters. <laughs> Be not afraid. Uh, so, so yeah, he, he wants to innovate. Uh, and, and But unfortunately, not only does the Senate only want the same ships over and over again that they've already ordered over the years, but also whenever they do want something new, they send over stodgy engineers that are approved of by various senators who are getting their own pet projects approved. Well, yeah, it's always just like, oh, we send out just the grumpiest, shittiest engineers who are like, this is the thing I want, and yeah. I can't talk them into anything. No. And plus, they're all just pork barrel guys, so they're not even good at this or anything. They're just they're just there as a favor to Kashiyik or whatever the fuck planet has won the engineer race this time. Mm. And they come out here and they're all like, roar. And you're like, god damn it. <laughs> they're like, roar. Roar. Roar, boring. <laughs> the ship should have a chair in it where you get to watch Diane Carroll sing while you jerk off. <laughs> I'm in my 20s right now. <laughs> Uh, no railings. <laughs> oh, there's going to be some railings. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so <laughs> as they're walking along this kind of like transparasteel walkway that goes over the factory floor, they can see a bunch of ships and Tarkin's looking at things like, ooh, I like those. They have central uh, spherical cores and they have wings that terminate in big v- horizontal veins for, for uh, cooling. Those I are- love big veins mm, I on my core. I like a nice veiny, a veiny core. That's one of my things I'm into. <laughs> But, you got any farm boys around here? <laughs> but he's like, look, I got a proposition for you, does Tarkin. He's excited about all these ships, and he's happy that, Lem- that, that uh, I, I keep wanting to call this guy Bevel Lemelis, because he's the the usual canon developer, of, or the yes. EU developer of the uh, uh, Death Star, but here we're saying it's some other guy. Yeah. Um, but he's like, look, Sinar, I know things are about to come to a slightly harder time for you, because you've lo- you've lost your opportunity to war profits here by selling to lots of people. But I have a new project I'm interested in, provided you're willing to work with the right kind of people in the right kind of way. And by that, I mean humans. Yeah, we can't say that yet. Let's oh, go in our special secret no, cone of silence room. he says that before they get into the fucking silence room. He's like, by the way, humans are the future. Yeah. And he's like, you know my best like designers and engineers are not even remotely human. And he's like, yeah, we, re- we still have non-humans that we use for stuff when it's convenient. But you should, hold on, look at me, look at me. Humans are the future. Fascism. Genocide. <laughs> Come with me. Yeah. I'm, now I'm like, wait, does Palpatine even give a shit, really? Or is it is it Tarkin who was spearheading that? I mean, granted, they don't hire a lot of non-humans after uh, Tarkin dies at the end of episode four. So so either they were slow on the uh, on the fix or, no, it was just both of them. No, I mean, it's supposed to be... There's a lot of shit that's supposed to be like, oh, yeah, Palpatine was big into just humans. Yeah. And they're all pretty racist. Everyone but Vader, who doesn't care. Yeah. Vader doesn't care. He's just here to fuck shit up. Yeah. So. So anyway, uh, then he's like, great. Well, I want to have this conversation with you in private. Do you have a spot? And he's like, yeah, let's go to my office, which is designed like a giant, luxurious TIE fighter ball. Because, yeah, this guy's got a type. Yeah. Uh, But it's hanging. It's a transparasteel thing that hangs directly over the factory floor. So they go in there. They shoo out all the other employees. They blacken all the walls, because it's a thing they could just do. Yeah, they bring the curtains down. And that when the curtains go down, an automatic subsystem is kicked into place that makes it so you can't talk in there. Like, literally, you can open your mouth, but words won't come out. Yeah, it's it's like uh, when we did the, the mall lockdown thing, and there mm-hmm. was that room that was like, oh, there's sound doesn't exist here. Yes. But in this case, you can put a little thing in your ear with a little mouthpiece that goes out in front that will let you talk to just the other person in that room. So it's completely unrecordable. You can have a real secret private conversation in here. Yeah. And we don't know exactly what they say, because we cut after 
the conversation starts. Yeah, we do the classic cartoon thing where they're like, now you listen here. Everyone gather around because I'm going to tell you how to... And then we're going to... Is anyone looking? Okay. And then we're really going to... It's that. Our plan involves a lot of bees. We're going to... buzz 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 buzz. Okay, so first of all, I suggest we get, we take off these robes. And <laughs> then we're going to head to your your private showers where we're going <laughs> to... OSHA compliant blowjob. <laughs> That's right. We got to have a guy standing there. All he's going to do is nod. It comes with a railing. <laughs> so we cut back to them afterwards, and Sinar is fucking pale. And fucked up. He's like, all right, two things. One, this is quite a bomb that I have just been dropped. And I feel like Tarkin is muscling in on my territory. Which I have to assume means ship designs are going to be a part of whatever it is. Because we do get a little bit. Because he's like, look, I have a scheme I'd like to spin for you. And that scheme is of of a faraway planet on the edge of Republic space, a giant forest. And I believe the Jedi might be involved. Yeah. And of course, Sayonara's like, Dude, I love the Jedi. Those guys are weird. Yeah, I he, never get to do business with them because they don't buy ships. Which drives me nuts because they have their own fucking fighter. Nah, man. I mean, granted, it's not a Sinar Systems fighter. I'm pretty sure the Jedi Starfighter is an Incom design. But but uh, don't quote me on that. That might be wrong. But uh, but they do have their own fighter. It's called the Jedi Starfighter. Nope. Not in this book. In this book, they all use Uber. Yeah. They every last everywhere. one of them. Yeah. Uh, granted, that's... I, maybe I'm not sure. This book was written in 2000. I cannot remember when the prequel movies came out because the uh, the Jedi Starfighter, I believe, was introduced during Attack of the Clones. You first see one with like flying around. It's got that hyperdrive ring around it yeah. and everything. So this this may predate Attack of the Clones. I think it does because I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think it was it was either 99 or 2000 when Phantom Menace Phantom came Menace out, came yeah, out that, that and I think right. it was. O two 2 for Attack of the Clones, then. Yeah, so this book doesn't get that advanced knowledge that, no, Jedi has, Jedi have their own little ship they use. Yeah, instead they're just like, no, the only thing I saw of the Jedi was them hopping rides for things. Yes. So they don't have their own ships. They just fuck around and yeah, find so out. he's like, I'm a big fan of them because I think they're a neat little esoteric mystery thing that's kind of a holdover from a previous age. But they're not much use to me personally because they don't want ships. Yeah. So I like them, but to a point. And Tarkin's like, all right, great. Well, let me just start the part where we go piss, piss, piss. And, and uh, yeah, when the lights come on, uh, there's two things going through his mind, as we previously mentioned. And then, in an attempt to steal himself, because he doesn't want to reveal how shook he is by whatever the hell it is he just heard, he's like, let me show you a plan I've been working on, because he's trying to regain the conversational upper hand. Yeah. And he flips a little hollow projector thing on his desk, and up pops basically... The Death Star with a couple extra balls on it. Yeah, he's got a Death Star with truck nuts. <laughs> yep. I wish that was what it was. Unfortunately, it's a ball on top and a ball on the bottom. Like, it's just a sort of poorly put together snowman. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, yeah, this is something I've been working on. And Tarkin, at first, sees it's just a set of spheres and is like, hmm, yeah, all balls look like that when they're up close. <laughs> but then but then he goes closer and sees the scale on the thing because it's got a little section on the bottom that tells you, like, how much an inch is in this uh, piece and he's like that's impossible to build it's too big a- and Sinar goes no it's not impossible it's just super expensive yeah it would be very expensive but as long as we get and he's even like the technology to power it isn't quite there but as long as we can improve that even mildly we can get to the point where you would be able to run this and I'll probably take those two extra balls off because mm-hmm. you don't need those. Just no a single to, ball. No one needs two unsightly balls. <laughs> Get rid of those. Yeah. And slap those balls off of there. Tarkin's like, yeah, yeah, just just one big ship with a minimal crew that could t- like go around an entire territory and keep it under control. And he's like, well. Not exactly minimal. I mean, it's got a crew of like 40,000, but but still. Yes, you are correct. It is basically one vessel that could hold down a giant territory by itself. There's a little bit of him talking about how it's going to work. He's like, look, uh, it does need two giant ice asteroids for power. I need to go get two miles across chunks of ice that I'm going to use to somehow power it. And it will create a ball in the center of itself 
that is about a kilometer across of pure plasma. And we can use that to fire a crazy beam cannon, the likes of which I do not yet know how to describe. So I can't oh, yeah. say it'll crack a planet or something like no, that. No, but Tarkin sees it and he's like, oh, yep, you always have one, at least one weapon in your dumb designs. That's quite a big blaster you mm-hmm. got there. Are you just happy to see me? But we're going to have to bust those balls. <laughs> I, lo- I love your big shaft you've got there, but those balls are unsightly. <laughs> so Tarkin's like, wow, okay, uh, yeah, I can start factoring that thing into my plans immediately. And again, this book doesn't have the, uh, the the foresight to know that they do the Death Star plans thing at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. So this is kind of a fun thing to read, to read uh-huh. the sort of like dead end, This is, none of this is going to go anywhere stuff. Oh, yeah, it's like when you read the books that came out immediately post New Hope yeah. where nothing else had been done. Like Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which is... It, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, we haven't done it yet. We will one of these days. It's interesting because it was written to stand uh, not only as an expanded universe novel, but also to function as a sequel in case the movie wasn't a big success. Yes. And so it doesn't want to move the plot forward in any major way. It continues the Luke and Leia romance. Yep. Vader shows up and now can throw Hadoukens. <laughs> it's a weird book. Yeah. So that's sort of what this kind of feels like, where you're like, oh, you just had one movie, and it's not like they were going to tell fucking Greg Bear what the next two movies' plots were. Yeah. So he's just like, yeah, I guess probably some guy made the Death Star. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a thing. They were like, Greg, we can tell you what will happen in the next two movies, but we'll have to kill you. In 2022. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, folks. Lawrence Kasdan did it. <laughs> Uh, it, <laughs> do not believe any of the other lies. It was a conspiracy. Lawrence Kasdan and Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> They've murdered him. <laughs> Man, I really wish we had not learned that because it is not a good taste for us to keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing I never feel bad about anything I ever say. <laughs> I, I don't need you to feel bad. I need you to be aware of our dollar intake. <laughs> So anyway, uh, <laughs> that's the two of them showing off their various balls and plans to each other. Uh, and, and we established that, yeah, uh, Sinar is willing to play ball on the whole human fascism thing. As long as he's turning a profit, he's fine. Oh, yeah. And especially because it seems like whatever Tarkin is doing, he's like, oh, well, you're you're going to want a lot of my ships. Yeah. So I'm going to get a lot of business out of this. That's going to be good. And... Tarkin also drops a little thing on the Jedi note. He's like, oh, yeah, these guys fucking suck. Uh, I want to keep them in check. I do not want them to get any more power. And uh, I have put a droid because there's he knows about Anakin. He's like, oh, they've got some new super hyper talented uh, Padawan in there. But he's all about fixing things. So I very purposefully put a broken droid where he would find it so that he would fix it and there is a listening device in there so I can eavesdrop on the Jedi. And he has been. This was a big success. He's already succeeded at this. Yeah, he's like, you know, this guy is a genius at fixing droids, but an absolute idiot at being able to find very obvious bugs on them. Mm -hmm. So I've just been listening in on their shit for a while now. Yeah, so he's all he drops a hint is that They've had some very interesting conversations, but he doesn't know what they were specifically. Yeah. Meanwhile, because these two are done now. Yeah. They're, they're going to split and go their separate ways. Uh, we check in as, as previously foreshadowed in chapter one, Mace Windu wanted to have a conversation with Anakin and Obi-Wan when once Obi-Wan recovered Anakin from whatever dumb horse shit he was up to. Yeah. So, you know, last episode we had the whole very weird (laughs) racing thing in a, sewer garbage cannon yeah and (laughs) now the bill has come due and it's time to have that conversation about how much trouble everyone is in yeah now they they establish that we're in that that same room that that room at the top the the master jedi the master jedi room we get a lot of of obi-wan reminiscing about what he thinks of mace windu where he's like mace windu is the weirdest jedi master in the order because number one he's absolutely terrifying in combat he's far and away the best duelist we have uh, because he's so weird and unpredictable. Yeah, everyone normally thinks, oh, it's Yoda. Yoda's the the super weird one. He he teaches lessons through, like, tricks, tricks and yeah. f- weird philosophy turnaround nonsense and makes you realize that 
everything you know is wrong. But he's like, Windu, as a teacher, is very straightforward. And is like, yeah, I'm going to teach you a fucking lesson and you're going to learn it. Yeah. But he is also, on the other side, like, the most just sort of fun and sardonic and just kind of like, yeah, I'm a I'm a f- weird guy who's willing to, like, have a laugh and a smile and a Yeah, he likes a good joke. Dick around. And, and he is always unpredictable in conversation. Like, you never know what direction he's suddenly going to veer the conversation in. So he's kind yeah. of, like, he's the scary one you're going to have to go talk to, basically. Yeah, because Mace Windu is the type of person that you'll be talking to, and he'll do the, like, Joe Pesci, I'm funny how thing on yeah. you. Yeah. Because he'll just be like, haha, we're having a good time. And then he'll be like, you fucked up. Yeah. So... When he gets up to the to the uh, antechamber where this conversation is going to have happen, he's kind of midway between dismayed and excited to see that it's Mace who's going to be leading the whole proceeding. They make mention of it being four Jedi Masters that are in there. Oh yeah, because they mention it is not exactly a time of peace. Things are all fucked up, especially around the Republic fringes. Yeah. So a lot of the Jedi Masters are out trying to take care of things uh-huh. and keep the peace. So there's only a handful here. Mm-hmm. So it's just Windu and a couple others. So so yeah, there's a... It, but weirdly, they don't mention the other three. It's Windu and three just shadowy figures who get no business. And three Jedi Masters that do not matter. Just NPC Jedi Masters. Yeah. I mean, come on. Tell me a couple of the names. Let me know if there's a Yaddle in there or whatever. I want to hear the details. Nope. Yaddle I kept thinking e- we would get one. But. Yeah. Well, I think the two that would exist at this time in history, but were removed from the storyline by the time of the next movie, were Yaddle and Yarael Poof. Uh, because Yarael kind of looked too close to what the the clone people, the Kaminoans, look like. Yeah. And then Yaddle, I think Lucas just didn't like the concept very much and was just like, get, get the Lady Yoda out of there. Nah. So... So the two of them were were summarily replaced in between, and they've both been given, as far as I remember, glorious deaths. Yes. Um, but yeah, I was kind of, you know, give me some names. Is there a Kiati Mundi back there? What are we doing? Nope, nothing. <laughs> but yeah, so we we established that, that Anakin is standing there in the shadow of a big chair, even though the whole room is well lit. He's standing in darkness so he can hide a little bit. And for foreshadowing purposes. Oh, oh. oh cause this kid. He's I don't in the, know. He's in the dark side of the room if yeah. you catch what I'm putting it down. I don't know if you know what I'm trying to say here, but one day this kid's gonna be a Darth Vader. <laughs> he's standing in the Vader section of the room. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, but he is not really planning to do much talking as Anakin because uh, traditionally the master of a Padawan or their instructor teacher type is supposed to defend them in these kind of conversations. Yes. And, you know, Windu starts out and he's just like, hey, dude, uh, Anakin, tell me exactly how you fucked up. What's your mistake? And he's like smiling. He's got an unexpected irritating smile on his face because no one can read what the hell he's he's excited about. Yeah, he's just like, hey, you know, Anakin, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we could have this conversation. It's going to be great. Tell me why you fucked up. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan, because they're used to the whole like, oh, the master goes ahead and does the like presentation for the Padawan, tries to step up and immediately Windu just like puts a hand up and stares fuck you shut up daggers at Obi-Wan is like, Anakin. Yeah. Tell me how you fucked up. And Anakin tries a couple of delaying tactics on he's this like, one. He's like, oh, I brought shame on the order. And he's like, yeah, no. yeah, I don't know. That's no one cares about shame on the order. That's that's some that's a horseshit get out of jail free card answer. Uh, that's what you say when you think I'm going to kick you out of the order. Yeah. Uh, I want to know why you thought you needed to go seek excitement. Are we not giving you enough that you feel like you have to go get in illegal street races? What's happening? I want to hear the full, the rationale for why you keep doing this. Because, let me make it clear, you keep doing this. Yeah. And, you know, also just turning it on Obi-Wan where he's like, this is a failing on your part, but mostly a failing on your teacher's part. Mm -hmm. If, 
if you feel you aren't getting the education you need or the excitement or whatever it is to keep you here, then that is a failing on your master's part. Mm-hmm. So he's like, let me, ref- let me, I'm going to go ahead and redirect the question in that situation, because let me tell you something, Obi-Wan, his mistake is the same as your mistake, or at least it springs from the same root. So Obi-Wan, what's your mistake? <laughs> and Obi-Wan at least takes a second to be like, all right, let me actually think about this and not just give some stock bullshit. Well, he knows the rules. He, he has a moment to himself where he's like, okay, no one, time limiting is not part of the test. No. I can stand here for an hour, and when I give the que- the answer, they'll still be like, yeah, we're going to judge you on the merits of the answer. Yeah. It's not just like, give me your knee jerk. This isn't word association. Yeah. I want you to actually think about this and tell me. And so he, he sits there and he's just like, uh, you know what? Our mistake is wanting certainty. And neither one of us is old enough or experienced enough to be needing or capable of having certainty in anything. Mm-hmm. And this is somewhat of an answer like Mace Windu was looking for, because he kind of goes, yeah, yeah, pretty much, but I'm not done being mad at you. <laughs> Here's the thing. That was, that was a pretty decent answer. But also, I'm angry. So, <laughs> look, kid, going back to Anakin, I think you've got, you show incredible potential. All the reports come in, say that you're amazing. You're, you're going to be capable of doing things that none of the rest of us could even come close to. We've tolerated a lot from you. I keep tripping over droids that you keep building and just turning loose in here. We do not need droids in here, but you keep making them. (laughs) And that's fine. Look, that's fine. Yeah. Anakin had tried to jump on the, we need certainty train where he goes like, well, I'm, I feel a lot of pain. My mother. And then before he even gets to talk about it, his mother is still a slave on, on Tatooine. Uh, Mace Windu's like, ah, we're not talking about your goddamn mom. I've read your <laughs> dumb letters or whatever. That's and not- also pain is a tool that you can use to focus yourself. Why aren't you doing that? And Obi-Wan's like, uh, because pain is a crutch. And if you lean on pain, oh, no. Leave- well, he's like, cause later Anakin's like, oh, well, I guess I can use pain. And if I use my pain, then I will be more powerful. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's some dark side shit. Pain is fine as a tool, but don't be like, yes, and pain shall be the thing that leads me forward. <laughs> and I really wanted Anakin to be like, dude, these lines are getting entirely too fine for me. Can we move back up to like a 0.7 lead in this mechanical pencil? Because pain is good unless it's really good, in which case it's bad, is not like first year shit. Can we go back to like what a triangle is? Yeah, Jedi especially style? considering he's like, look, most of the kids you've got in here we're here since they were like three. Yeah. I got here three years ago and you're expecting me to know all the bullshit that you have indoctrinated these children with their whole lives Mm -hmm. telling me, Hey, pain's a good tool. And I'm like, great. I'll use it, but don't use it too much. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) At this point, Anakin kind of breaks a little bit and is like, look, yeah, I know you want, you guys want me to look inward. I don't want to, when I look inward, all I see is a tremendous amount of power, and I don't know what to do with it, and I don't know if I want to. Yeah, yeah, I am terrified when I look inward. I don't like that. Yeah, and at this point, that's enough to take everyone in the room aback, and luckily, it's also a perfect chance for a new character to enter the room. Hooray! Hooray! As a character that, new to me, Thracia Cholim comes in. Yep, the old Cholimster herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm assuming this character is human, although we do not get that confirmation. Yeah, it it was one of those things reading the chapter where when it started to describe her, I was like, you're using some very interesting adjectives here and have not specified that she is human. So when you start talking about like, oh, and she's got these thin but powerful arms and these creases along her face and i'm like okay so she could just be sort of a a, an old woman but like she's the same height as anakin is and he is 11 so i mean maybe she's yeah maybe maybe she's like really old or he's really tall yeah maybe he had a real big growth spurt from when he was like nine till now but i i don't actually know what the fuck yeah, I just looked her up, and not only is she human, but also she doesn't look anything like any of that. She just looks like some lady. Great. Like they didn't bother even drawing her as elderly. Awesome. Yeah. But basically, she pops in, and she's like, ah, I thought you guys would be interrogating a ni- or an 11-year-old in here. <laughs> hey, what's up, fuckers? 
You want to leave this kid alone? His only crime is being a kid, you piece of shit. Yeah, basically she comes in to kind of like Willy Wonka everybody about about what how important childhood is, because everyone in the room seems to have forgotten. Yeah. So she pops in, she's like, all right, all right, I knew this would be happening, and you forgot to invite Thracia, didn't you, Mace? And he's like, I'm actually quite happy to see you. Yeah, Mace is like, I didn't think you were here, and also it fucking rules that you are. Yeah. He's genuinely excited she's here because this is going to take a lot of the pressure off him to be the one who has to make the hard decisions. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't outrank him or anything like that. It's just that she's a lot more outspoken about how to deal with misplaced uh, Padawans. Yeah. And the one thing we get is normally, though, she is only for the lady ones. Boo. She only takes lady Padawans, doesn't know how to deal with the boys. I hate that. The moment they, that came up. It doesn't come up until midway through the conversation with her present, but there's a point where she leans over and is like, I have a suggestion about something we could do to to address Anakin's current problems, and she's about to pitch a big adventure. Yeah. And Obi-Wan regards her like, good, I'm glad she's pitching something because we need something. But on the other hand, what if she pitches some girl thing? Because she mostly trains girls. And I'm like, why why are they dividing up these nine-year-olds by gender and, and training them differently? And also, I don't understand... What he thinks is going to be like, oh, she normally trains Lady Jedi. I don't know if she'll know what to do here. I'm like, all of her advice and everything she has said up to this point has been accurate because it hasn't had anything to do with gender. It's just been, hey, did you know that kids like to act out and test limits and figure themselves out? Yeah. And it's good. It's good that they do that. Yeah. I mean, my favorite bit is when she first walks in and we get that brief part we mentioned a moment ago, like, Oh, I didn't know you were here, and I'm actually glad you are. Uh, and and she, But she had started by saying, you're doing this with kind of a skeleton crew, Mace. Where's everybody else? And he goes, look, I'm actually one of the nicer masters around here. This would have been gone a lot harder for Anakin if Yoda was here. And she goes, oh, that bigger tree stump doesn't know uh, how to be a kid, and he hasn't for 800 years. Yeah. And I was like, I'm glad that she's shutting down Yoda, even at a distance. Aww. Except I feel like Yoda likes the really little kids. Remember how he didn't want to train Luke because he was too old? Yeah, it's weird because she's like, ah, oh, yeah, Yoda would have been super mean. Oh, and he doesn't know anything about being a kid. And I'm like, really? Because the first time we see him, he acts like a fucking crazy little six-year-old hopped up on yeah. sugar and just being a wild little nonsense boy. Also, I feel like he was one of the ones that was most in favor. I don't remember. I haven't watched Phantom Menace in 20 years, but I, I feel like he was the one who was most in favor of letting uh, Anakin in. Like, a lot of the rest of the people at the, on, the, on the council were like, uh-uh, can't do that. And he was like, mm, much potential I see in this boy, or whatever, you know? Like, a good or, or evil. Yeah. Go on slides I want to. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, he, it seems to me like he should relate quite well to really little kids. I don't know why. I just get that vibe. Probably because he's a little puppet. He's voiced by Frank Oz. <laughs> yeah. Probably because he's an alien of Grover. <laughs> yeah. Little Green Grover probably should be okay with kids. Yeah. But no, apparently he's a curmudgeon asshole. And doesn't know anything about children. And so her whole thing is like, hey, Anakin, I get that you fucked around and did all this shit. And why did you need to do that? And eventually manages to get from him that he's like, oh, I went and tried to do this because it's to fill a gap in what I am being taught. And yeah. she's like, great. And it's because you aren't being taught that by your master. Yeah. All right. Awesome. You need something to keep you occupied because apparently sitting around here in a stuffy ass temple is not conducive to you learning. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm I, I, there's a couple things here that I would take issue with Thracia, who's supposed to be being introduced as a, a newly wise character who stands as a counterpart to the stodgy old Jedi masters and so on. But number one, I really don't like the gender separation thing oh. that that bugs me on a level I don't know how to describe, where they're like, oh, we train the girl Jedi different. And I'm like, uh, I, you know, even if you're like, oh, we train them with girl Jedi because that way they can have their own private safe space or whatever. The still, Obi-Wan is reading that like, oh, I don't want her to train him in girl Jedi stuff. That's weird. Uh, and two, when her response, when, when he says, I need to get something I'm not getting from training here. And also, I'm racing to escape the dark parts of myself. Yeah, she does. She goes, great. Well, what you need is a big, wacky adventure and not probably we need to examine that whole dark center of yourself. We need to figure out what's at the center of your Tootsie Pop. Yeah, because I mean, between that and him going like, 
looking inside frightens me. There's a power in me that is terrifying. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. And we love that. Anyway, we don't care. You want to go on a magic space adventure or should we just fucking introduce you to Dr. Therapist? Also, it when we find out that she's like, yeah, you should you should have a fun, cool space adventure. That would be good for you. Anyway, the only reason I'm suggesting that is because the Jedi I trained has gone missing on some planet, so I suggest you go find her. This is actually self-serving. Yeah, yeah, she actually has a need of this. I mean, she doesn't have to send a 12-year-old to do it. She could say, She probably marched in here to be like, all right, who's available because I need someone to go check on Verger, her, uh, her, her Padawan now-made Jedi Knight who we've talked about before. Yay! Uh, she'll, uh, Verger will end up being important, I believe, to the Jason Solo stuff. But but uh, but anyway, she's gone missing. Hasn't reported back in at least a year. And pro- that tells me that, you know, Corrin Horn would be one third of the way through the process of finding her by now. <laughs> uh, he might have decided to become a cop after not wanting to be a cop after wanting to be a cop. He was like, he was like, Jedi training isn't right for me. I'm going to try Sith training for a while to see if that helps me find my wife. Okay. And then I'm going to take up bowling, see if I get good at that, and that yeah. helps me find my wife. Let's have Lando teach me to be a gambler. <laughs> I wonder wonder if I could do mining. He knows mining stuff. What if I mine and then mine for the truth? Ah. <laughs> mine wife. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, so she's like, yeah, look, uh, she went missing looking for a planet on the very far edge, out beyond the edge of the Republic space that... It's going to be a big, very complicated, very long adventure. What she's mostly saying to needle Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan is being established in this book as a stuffy stick in the mud who doesn't like things. Yeah, which is odd. <laughs> but they're like, oh, you know, yeah, my my teacher, Qui-Gon, he knew all about kids. And she's like, yeah, Qui-Gon basically was a big child. He was a big kid. He didn't know anything but being a big... There's a reason that he was like the most on the outs of all the... I, of all the masters and knights and so on is because he just didn't know how to play ball with the rest of them. He always wanted to solve things by doing kids stuff. Yeah, so this will be good, not only for Anakin, but also for you. Yeah. This will be a growing and learning experience for both of you because, I mean, uh, Obi-Wan is basically new to being a he is like, ten Jedi years, Knight as well. He is 10 years on the dot older than Anakin is. Yeah. So that means that, you know, sure, he's a Jedi Knight and so on, but he's like 22. He's not at the top of his game Jedi-wise. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is barely fresh out of the Academy, and this is the first person he has ever been given to train. And they're like, yeah, here's the chosen one. You've never done this before. Make this guy good. And he was a few years out from being assigned to Padawan. This is all just because Qui-Gon died. Honestly, the whole Anakin falling to Obi-Wan thing is dumb, and it's not this book's fault. No, it's, it's Phantom Menace's fault where they should have been like, yeah, Obi-Wan doesn't need to train Anakin. Let's have like Ki-Adi Mundi do it or something. That way Anakin can rise to Vaderhood and kill his master <laughs> instead it, of having to leave him. It also, I mean, this book even has the bit where it's like, yeah, Yoda at one point just goes, yeah, he's yours, dude. Fucking deal with it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. The Force said so. Get out. Look, I we all believe in the whole Chosen One thing so hard. But I don't think it matters who trains him. Uh, causality's already going to drive him to whatever fucking point the Chosen One needs to be driven to. So you're mostly along for observation purposes. Here's a notebook. But yeah, they have decided that instead of dealing with any of his bullshit, the best thing to do is to just send him out on a fun little adventure in space where it'll take a long goddamn time. Yeah. Now, Mace sputters at this just a bit because he was about to get this kid in trouble. But you can tell because we're in Anakin's inner monologue for a bit here where he goes like, all right, I can already tell the tenor of the room has changed. I am no longer getting kicked out of the academy. Yeah, they're not asking me questions about like, oh, this is an exit interview. It's less that and more. How can we go forward from here? Yeah, you could tell earlier at the beginning, you kind of tell that like, I barely even need to answer these questions. These are the kind of pointless questions they ask you before they fire you so you feel extra guilty and don't fight yeah he's like these are probably questions they're asking me so that obi-wan learns a lesson yeah <laughs> so 
So he's like, all right, I don't think I'm kicked out of the Academy. I'm not happy about this, but sure, I would like to go on an adventure. Maybe I will get the thrill seeks I need. Whatever, as long as no one makes me examine myself for even a second. <laughs> of course not. We would never. <laughs> no, we all we all understand that you've got to Vader out real hard. <laughs> we get it. It's fine. You know who should probably go on this journey is Amidala. Let's see if she's available. <laughs> I don't know what she's up to. Mm. Oh, hang on, let's excuse my space phone real quick. Hello, Princess Amidala. Yeah, we're sending you on a space adventure. Pack bathing suits. <laughs> no, there's no water there. I hope you're kind of a weird pervert about children. <laughs> Is Kiera Knightley, who looks just like you, available in case he's got a weird thing with that, too? <laughs> no, she... No, she died. She, she blew up. She blew up. That's very inappropriate. How dare you? <laughs> I think she blow. Doesn't she blow up, blow up an attack of the clones though? Maybe. I think she blows up when they had that big version of the of the Nubian shuttle. Remember they had that that one that's for what's a Nubian bitch? You almost <laughs> <laughs> the silver shuttle that they fly around in the first one is called the Nubian, which crazy name for it, but sure, it's great. And then in the second one, they introduce the J type sail barge. <laughs> Which is basically made of the same silver metal, but it, it's like a giant four-engine flying wing instead of the SR-71 looking thing that the, the Nubian was. Yeah. And it blows up on the launching pad. It looks like it's about to be a cool ship, the ship that you get to see. And it blows up, and I think it takes out Kiera Knightley's character with it. I don't quote me. Again, it's been 20 years. Again, I watched every prequel movie once yeah. in theaters and never again because they were all bad. You're going to get a lot less definitive knowledge from us when we're going through this one. Ah. Uh, so yeah, it, Thracia manages to turn everything around and be like, cool, go find my missing Jedi student and have a fun time, slaps him on the ass and sends him on their way. Yep. And Mace is like, hold on, I'm not done yelling at them yet. And that's where the, the chapter ends is Mace being like, wait, I still need to ask them a bunch of p uh, pressing questions about how they've been fuck ups, uh, in, in regards to illegal straight racing. Cause Seriously, that is not okay. Yeah, I can't just be like, ah, kids will be kids when it comes to, you know, Obi-Wan definitely murdered a guy down there, so there's at least that. Yeah, I like the part when, when Thracia is still talking, and uh, she's like, I'm going to send them on a space adventure, and Mace is like, are you aware of what they were doing? And she's like, yeah, I kind of put it together when rumor got to me that they, the two of them showed up reeking of silicone oil and coated in slime, that they were probably in the garbage pit. So there's only one reason to do that. And I think it's great. I'm all for it. I'm the cool Jedi. I'm the Jedi that'll let you drink at my house. I just hope that when they get out to uh, the secret planet from the, the book here, Zonama Sakat, they find Verger. They're like, she's just like this irrepressible party girl. And they're like, oh, that's why you can't. That, that's why Thracy is bad. Okay. Yeah. I don't want Thracia to teach you. Not because of the whole, like, she only teaches girls things, but because she is irresponsible as yeah. fuck. <laughs> they get out there and Verger's just like, Shaving, like shaving her armpits with her lightsaber. She's like, whatever, Grandpa, it's fine. Yeah, no, I fully imagine Thracia as the, I'm the cool mom. Mm -hmm. Better you kids drink here where I can see ya than where I can't. <laughs> Who wants a cocktail? I'm like, this kid's 12. Don't do that. Ah, that's ah, It's Christmas. I was drinking at that age. Yeah, and that's also a problem. We should discuss that. <laughs> I was drinking at that age all the way through this one. Okay, yeah, definitely we need to have a... Uh... <laughs> uh, and then we get our last chapter, which is from Anakin's point of view. He's in his room. They We get a quick description of what the Jedi Temple is like, where it's like a school where... It's kind of dilapidated. Uh, once you're inside of it, the outside is all kept gleaming and perfect for appearances, but the inside's falling apart just a bit. Well, yeah, because it's nothing like homey. the places where the masters are and all of the like uh, public can see the facade. Like, oh yeah, all the like giant spires and pillars and whatnot are all gleaming and perfect. Mm -hmm. But if you come in the like service entry door where the actual people who work are, oh, it's fucking like corroded and the paint's peeling and not everything is up to code nothing super well lit but it's very homey for the for the padawan that lived there they all feel real good about it and they will for another movie and a half um <clears throat> but uh but he's sitting in his room kind of lamenting his current situation and being like well at least i didn't get kicked out but you know an adventure might serve me pretty well but i wish these people would just let me do what i need to do I'm really worried about my mom. Also, while he's doing this, he's just idly building a spare C-3PO. Yeah. He's just like, nah, I'm just 
fucking around with a verbo brain, mm-hmm. making a protocol droid. The uh, protocol droid sounds horrifying in practice because he's like, he finishes building the verbo brain, takes it, once its lights come on to show that it's kind of functioning, he sticks it in a head, at which point it starts rapidly spinning and whirling around in there like it's attached to a bunch of gyroscopes. Because the way it works is it's got contact points on it that spin around as it rolls around inside this thing's head. And when it touches brushes inside the head, it causes thoughts to occur. Yeah. Which sounds way too mobile. Like, just digitize that shit, dude. Yeah. It's a weird idea for what a Verbo brain is. Yeah. Why is it so analog? It's like a like, like you're building this thing for, for the merry old land of Oz or something. Hey, man. It, it just was like, why are, why are there fucking, like, ball bearings that fly around in this dude's head to give him thoughts? That's weird. Yeah. I guess that'd explain why C-3PO always seemed like he was tottering around. I guess. There's like no central course of balance with his brain just constantly whipping around inside of his head like that. Huh? But yeah, he's just building this droid, thinking to himself about how he makes all these droids. He's being tolerated. Like, he feels like he's being handled by all these Jedi. Oh, yeah, because he gives the uh, analogy of like, I feel like I'm a rich person who never knows if his friends are there because they like him or if they just want his money. And in the same way, he's like, I feel like I keep getting away with shit that any other Padawan would immediately get kicked out for yeah. because I'm powerful. Yeah, he's testing the limits is what it, what, what it is. Like, why do I keep going to these street races and so on? I want to see if they're going to kick me out because that would be something beyond them just keeping me around because I'm the chosen one. Yeah, he's like, it. he basically is like, oh, they're just straight up showing weakness. If they don't, fucking punish me or do something then it's just showing that they don't care and just want me here for my power yeah and that i can get away with anything and that's fucked up like the closest he's gotten to being in trouble before is that one of his droids got sent back to his room cut in half yeah which i assume was the droid with the listening device because he was like oh i found some broken droid somewhere and i fixed it but then the masters found that fixing lights that didn't need to be fixed in the master chamber and so they cut it in half and sent it to me. So I'm like, oh, that's probably the listening droid. Seems kind of extreme. Placed. Like, I mean, if the droid's designed to fix lights that are broken, that's a useful droid function. Just It just needs one quick modification. Yeah, instead, fucking someone in the Jedi chambers was like, oh, I should definitely take a lightsaber to this thing and cut it in half and then send it back to the boy as a message. I'm like, what godfather horse head in a bed bullshit is this where you're like, hey, we found your droid and I carved it in half. Mm-hmm. Try to fix this asshole. Oh, that smiling, smug douchebag Kit Fisto. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't trust him. Uh, it's just weird that like if they had known, oh, yeah, we cut this in half because we figured this was a droid that was spying on us. That would be one thing. But they then wouldn't also send it back to the child who built it. This was your fault. And not tell him to not go, hey, we found this droid in the Jedi Master Chambers and it had a listing device in the future. Please be careful about what droids you build and shit like that. Yeah. They wouldn't just go, oh, yeah, we'll fucking just send it back to him and be like, here you go, asshole. Yeah, it's hilarious to me that. I'm sure it's a setup for later that there's going to be some private con. Like he's going to bring that droid with him on the ship to fix it or something. But the fact that they do a lot of heavy sh- shadowing to let you know that this is that specific droid referenced in the first chapter is like, why? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. But yeah, he's basically just kind of going, yeah, I-, I feel like these people are just keeping me around because they think I'm important and not because I'm like actually relevant. Yeah. Like, or my- good my- enough to be a Jedi. I'm just here because I have power. Yeah. So he's he's conflicted, but this is like a page and a half chapter, so there's not that much more to say. No, and he does, as soon as he does say the whole like, oh, I feel like a rich guy who can't really trust if anyone's is really his friend, he's like, but that's honestly unfair. They are trying to help me. Yeah. Like, this is me just sort of being a bitter <laughs> fucking preteen about it, but he at least understands that. But then he also has some real like grown up asshole things where he's just like, yes. And they show weakness when they do not do this. That was weird. Right. When they were like, 
And by by not punishing me, they're starting to show their bellies. And you're like, what? Come on, man. What the fuck? You're 11. <laughs> Don't be like, yeah, so I they mean, have shown weakness and I shall exploit them. Yeah. Ah. I, mean, I like the part where it was like, and, and my mother showed a tremendous amount of strength when she insisted I go off to a better life, even though she couldn't come along. Oh, yeah. And he's also like, I get it. I suck. I'm a handful. Yeah. My mom couldn't handle Yeah. She was having a hard time dealing with me. And when she sent me here, it was... Maybe these guys can handle you, and apparently they can't either. Yeah. So he is vacillating between these guys suck because they won't set boundaries, but then also I suck because I continually push boundaries. Yes. So he's very conflicted. But what I definitely need is a magic space adventure with, with a living planet and sexy robots, I hope. That'll take my mind off of things, but I shouldn't go to sleep because when I sleep, Horrible visions of doom appear, but that's probably fine. See you in the next chapter. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah, just ends on him going, when I close my eyes, death comes for me, but that's fine. End of chapter. <laughs> hey, I'm just glad we've made it through three different Anakin chapters so far. We have a single moment of him being like, Amidala looks like an angel. Like he's clearly just kind of forgotten about her. God bless the fact that because this is before the other movies, they don't have to try and be like, oh yeah, I guess we should push that there's some sort of romance that's going to happen there because... Yeah, they don't know. If you're Also, if you're a writer and you're like, I have a 12-year-old kid that I'm writing, please do not make me have to be like, yes, and he sees like a 17-year-old girl and is horny about it. That's the worst thing you could do to me. Do not force that on me. Yeah, yeah. It'd be one of those 80s movies where they were... Uh, oh, yeah. She, she's just nice to him at the end, you know? Yeah, you're gonna have... Like, a, like 16 Candles or something. Some fucking scene where it's like, yeah, and then Anakin used his lightsaber to poke a hole in the Ooh. senator's That wasn't quite what I room. meant, but I get where you're coming from. No, because that's the 80s shit I imagined, yeah. where every nerd is actually just a sex offender. Yes. No, I was talking more... I can't remember the specific movie, but but one of the ones, I think Garbage Pail Kids does it, but a few others as well, where like, there's an older girl and a younger boy, and at the end of the movie, she's just like, talk to me in five years, and then she like gives him a big kiss on the cheek. Yeah, but, I think you're thinking of blank check. You know, when a 14-year-old and a 35-year-old. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of big. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm thinking of the Sandlot. <laughs> God damn, that trope is pervasive. I'm pretty sure, fuck, these are bad ideas and don't do that. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even think it actually happens in 16 Candles. It's just that Hughes always cast, like, dorkier-looking boys than girls. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just that Ducky sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Ducky sucks, and he does not deserve to win in the end. No. Anyone who's like, oh, Ducky should have gotten the He was there the for her. Hey, hey. That's not enough. This is the problem. You are an internet nice guy. Yep. <laughs> do not do this. Everyone knows how to be there for someone. Some of them also have other interests beyond that. <laughs> anyway, that was the book. Mm -hmm. Hey, thank you so much for listening and to, uh, to that part of that book. And we'll be back next week with more of that book. But hey, if you want to hear more about Star Wars, mm -hmm. there's a way you can do that. Ooh, yeah. there's a way. There's a secret way. Mm -hmm. If you'll just come with me. I... <laughs> <laughs> what we're about to tell you is not something the old Jedis would have you know. <laughs> uh, we're going to tell you about our Patreon, where you can get bonus content about Star Wars, because we like to go to Wikipedia. And what we do when we're on Wikipedia is we find weird shit from Star Wars history to tell to each other and to you. That's right. You'll find out. The weird marginalia that exists in Star Wars lore mm -hmm. and why it is all for the best that it has been flushed down the toilet. Mm -hmm. My episode this week is on Margenitalia, which is where you draw little dicks in the margins of the books. Mine is about Marge's genitalia. I went to the Simpsons wiki and... I mean, you could pretty much just pick up her Playboy appearance. Hey, well... I mean, granted, she was covered in like every picture, but... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I only cruised it for the articles, uh -huh. obviously. obviously. I'm certainly not constantly jacking it to Marge Simpson. <laughs> there was a, a very boudoir. good interview with Martin Scorsese in that issue, so uh, clearly that's why it's I a very good it. interview with Martin Prince in that episode, <laughs> in that issue. <laughs> uh. Capital! So, so anyway, uh, where was I before I started talking about Marge's boudoir photography? Oh, I was chasing you, but you're full of chocolates. <laughs> Simpsons. Uh, where is Uter? I just want to know. <laughs> All right. So 
anyway, please go to Wikipedia with us by visiting our Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery and supporting us at the $4 level. Yep. That gets you a lot of extra bonus content. It helps support the show. There's even more from there. It gets you all of these shows. If you want to pay $10 a month, get you even more show the TV mastery show. You get access to all of our secret things on the discord. Mm -hmm. And Hey, if you were on Twitter and you want somewhere else to go, go to our discord. Yeah. Cause Twitter's sure. imploding and you can find us on blue sky. Yeah. Now. We're on blue sky. We're system mastery on blue sky. I don't really know how to search blue sky stuff yet, but I'm yeah, pretty you sure you go to the, the little thing for searching and you type in a name and does it work? Do, yeah. do you want to know that B sky dot social address? No, you that just we have? type okay. in the beginning of it. That's good to know. Yeah. So you can find us on blue sky. If you're one of the coveted few who've managed to find an invite, mm -hmm. we've been giving them away as fast as we get them. I haven't even given one to John yet because there's people who need them more. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. We've got the main account. I'll just have other people get on. Yeah, so so that's uh that's good. We're an onboarding practice. So I think I, I think I will give the next one to you because that way we'll double our giving away power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then then two people have codes they can give. Yes. So so anyway, uh, once again, go to Patreon.com/slash/SystemMastery. Support us at the four dollar level to follow us through more content that we're going to record this very day. Mm. Otherwise, hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon. And until we do, I've been Elan Sleeves Bagano. And I just read it for the articles. <laughs> <laughs>